0: Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey Kay. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mix and Smoker's you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixandSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. What's up, guys? So we are bringing back to the podcast. I don't know if you guys remember this. Um, we chatted with Bob from The Grill Gun. Um, it was a couple months ago. Um, I don't remember the exact date. I'm very sorry for that, but um, we chatted with him a little bit, you know, a couple of months ago, and we the the product was still in very much of its infancy, um, and it wasn't it wasn't fully to market yet, but that has changed. Uh, so we have brought Bob back onto the show to hang out with us and uh, chat about what's what's happened. Um, in the, in the last few months and we talked a little bit before we started recording and he, you know, he's been, he's been a busy man. let let we'll put it that way. So Bob, thank you so much for coming back on the show and chatting with us. Uh, how have you been?
1: I've been great. I've been, uh, covered up, starting a business, creating a new product, uh, keeping everybody interested, uh, running a kickstart campaign. Yep. Um, Indiegogo, um, flying back and forth to China, setting up manufacturing. It's just, it's an unbelievably busy life and exciting time. I know it's the the people that have supported the Kickstart campaign. They've been fabulous. They've anxiously been awaiting and um, sharing really pleasant thoughts, how appreciative they are about how I've run the campaign and and, and proceeding to uh, build the the grill guns. Yep. So it's time really to actually have them available, and we're just almost there. By the time this um, this podcast airs, they probably will be, or at least will almost be, available on a retail basis. Online.
0: Now, now, how has everything kind of been coming together? Like you said, you've been you know you've been going to China, you've been doing all that kind of stuff. Um, what, what has been kind of the hardest part of all of it?
1: Um, getting to bed at night. (laughs) I got got, got way too much stuff to do to take time to sleep. But if I don't, then I'll just fall, you know, fall down. It's.
0: Give us one second, guys. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty with. With the internet. So now that our technical difficulties are out of the way. So your, your hardest thing, obviously, sleeping. Because um, you don't really have time for it. And I understand that you know when you're starting a business, it's just there's so much that you have to do. It's insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really... But it, 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 it's different if you've got a company and you've got lots of people working in different angles, but my responsibility is, um, I'm sort of a one man band here. So I have to, uh, make sure that the quality of well, the products design, right. And the quality of the products, right. And the production is right. And the, um, marketing is right. The sales works, the, um, You know, any service concerns, warranty concerns, those all have to be addressed. Um, It's when you think about what business is and what it takes to create a product and have it available for people and to actually turn it into a retail product. um, Normally, you would have companies that do that and everybody has their own job inside of a company. And um, this is really the infancy of a company. Hopefully, some point in the future it would you know have all of the attributes of companies that sell lots of products and have lots of employees that do all of that but this is really the beginning stages of it and so all of it rests on me to do and the only way that it wouldn't rest on me to do is I've had uh, you know a whole lot of money and a whole lot of employees but since I don't then I get to do all of those activities
0: yeah i mean you 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 get to be a man of many hats right um, oh yeah and when you're when you're when you're you're launching that product it, it unfortunately it's it's just it has to be like that and there are those growing pains that I think um consumers aren't always aware of, and they don't always understand that uh companies go through growing pains they really do, and there's nothing you can do about it
1: yeah it's it's very rare to find some, a, you know, a company that is successful. Most startups fail, and um, to have one not fail requires a dedication, uh, an entrepreneurial ded- dedication that says that, you know, you won't stop no matter what the the problem is. You you have to, have to take all you know, all challenges and you have to face them down and and make it happen. So that really is the life of an entrepreneur and it's not for everybody. You know, when I uh, when I started this, I knew it was going to be a very tough road that I'm going to be going down and it's absolutely uh, been hard work, but it's it's very rewarding to uh, get to this point where I have actually watched uh, production grill guns and sous vide guns. Coming off the production line, going into crates, uh, and um, piling up, and getting ready to ship to the United States, so that we'll have them to have them available to to sell to not only to back you know give to the backers for the Kickstart and Indiegogo campaign, but to, um, sell it on the retail market. So it's 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 enormously rewarding to actually see an idea that you have um, turn into a product that people like.
0: And now, how much, how much did you guys end up raising on the uh, Kickstarter? Well, the Kickstarter platform itself, there was,
1: um, when it closed, there was $405,000 raised, which, um, let's put that into perspective here. Only 1%, well, start over, 80% of all Kickstarter campaigns fail. And only 1% of Kickstarter campaigns ever break into six figures. So, only 1% of the 319,000 Kickstarter campaigns that have run since Kickstarter began in 2009 have um, have ever reached over $100,000. And all of those that reach $100,000, they they're they're done by people who have whole teams of people who make that happen, a marketing team. It, it's a multi-year, multi-month process to turn a product from an idea into a successful Kickstarter campaign because you're trying to reach people in a 30-day period yep. to to get them to buy into your idea and support you. And that's enormously difficult to do. Most people can't do that, clearly, by the fact that only 1% of people who try ever even get to 100,000. And to get over 100,000 into a lot, you know, a number of them have gotten into the millions. Uh, Mine didn't, it wasn't that successful. But um, when you can, if you just take the comparison of the 318,000 campaigns that did less than mine did and only the 1500 that were more successful than mine then my campaign was in pretty rarefied air when it comes to um the enthusiasm that people had in backing the product
0: well i mean in general and, and, i mean it, it sounds like it did it was very successful
1: yeah it's right now it's it's uh, eclipsed half a million dollars in uh campaign support dollars which is it's pretty good, and when you consider the four hundred thousand for uh, Kickstarter and a hundred thousand for Indiegogo,
0: I mean, I think I think that's fantastic. I mean, I, if I were you, I'd be stoked about it, um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you are. Oh, I am. Yeah. With with the yeah. amount of just kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, just the amazing amount of support that you definitely got.
1: Certainly. Yeah, it was. It has been um, something that is probably the the major achievement. The hardest part about running a Kickstart campaign is is everybody who backs you, you know, at any level. Basically, um, it's that many backers. Each, you have to divide that total number. So half a million dollars by hundred dollars per backer. That's how many people think that they. Are uh, entitled to uh, ask questions and make sure how things are going and uh, get their product and and really they think that for good reason because they are every one of those people are, have supported the program so communicating with the mass of people and communicating transparently and frequently requires a, a conscious effort to. No matter whether things are going well or going poorly to let people know what's going on because people will forgive you for making mistakes or not telling them uh, something that they thought they should know as long as you attempt to uh, tell them everything that's going on and keep them in uh, keep them abreast of what's happening
0: keep so them.
1: yeah and i I've done that uh, the number of Of uh, comments that I get, we're talking hundreds of comments from people that they make comments such as, uh, "You set the bar for what Kickstarter um, um, Kickstarter people should be doing. This is the way you should communicate with your backers." So overwhelmingly, I mean, you know, there are the handful of people who won't be satisfied by anything, but.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of. (laughs) Yeah. But the the majority of people
1: all look at that and they say, well, you know, they recognize that for what it is because they really do appreciate somebody working really hard and keeping everybody in the loop. So it's been uh, really quite thrilling to run a program such as this. And have a product that people like so much that they, you know, they climb on board and, um, it can hardly wait to get their hands on them.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, the product is, it, it, it's a very interesting, unique product, like we said before, um, and, yeah, let uh, me take
1: a, a minute here and just describe the two different products, because they were Yeah, very I was going to say, I different. don't
0: believe you had the other one when we talked last. No, it was
1: it was early on. Um, the, the grill gun, there, there are two products. One's the grill gun, and one's the sous vide gun. And yeah. So let's start. I guess the grill gun is a little more obvious by definition. You know, why do you call it a grill gun? Because you use it to light your grill, uh, well, what, what do you mean? Well, the grill gun is it's just a high powered uh, throw the flame out there a couple feet, uh, super hot, uh, clean burning um, torch. Two foot long torch with two foot long flame. And it's for serious getting something lit right now. And it's specifically designed to, to put charcoal in your grill and, and hose it down with flame. And within, you know, anywhere from 15 seconds to a minute. Your grill's stoked, and you can cook your food, a charcoal grill. And uh, what happened in the process of introducing the grill gun and getting ready to launch the Kickstart campaign, the the backers, or the the would-be backers, those that were in favor of the idea, were saying, you really need to be paying attention to sous vide. And so I'm going, well, what's sous vide? S O U S V I D E is a French word for um, the way you prepare meat by putting it in a vacuum-sealed bag and putting it under water and and uh, with a, a device that circulates the water and keeps it at a constant temperature until the meat comes to that temperature through and through. So
0: yeah, pretty much a water bath. Yeah,
1: pretty much like a jacuzzi for your for your steaks, right? Yeah. So if you've got, if you if you want your steak cooked medium, then you've got to turn it to 140 degrees. If you want to cook rare, it's 138. I mean, it's 133, and and yep. well is 1 160. Those kind of things. So it's there's a tremendous amount of literature out there on how to cook food sous vide, and uh, it turns your average everyday cook into a master chef because you can't screw it up. It's um, you well, can't overcook it, you can't undercook it.
0: I've seen it screwed up. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's hard. It's very hard. Wrong. It's a very yeah. talented I mean, person that does it.
1: If you want to cook your meat rare and you don't get it over 133 degrees. It's, it's very rarer. difficult.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's very difficult, right?
1: Now you can leave it in there too long and it becomes kind of mush.
0: Yeah. But
1: ultimately, what you do is you then take the meat that is kind of just a blah-looking color when you take it out of the bag and you, and you um, sear it. So it's basically, the meat is nothing besides muscle, and the, the flesh itself, that, as it's been cut through, is open, and it's got to be, I'll use the medical term, cauterized. You have to seal the edges of the meat. And you do that on a, on a, on a grill or in a pan, or in an oven where the heat, the high heat, yep. seals the edges of the meat, keeps the blood in. But um, sous vide, that process doesn't happen until you've finished cooking the meat, and then you expose it to high heat, either through some sort of really super hot oven, or put it on a cast iron pan that's really hot, or yep. uh, you know, fire up your grill and and just and put it on there long enough to sear the edges. So those are all ways that you can do it, but by far the fastest and uh, most efficient way is, is just hose it down with flame. And there really isn't a comparable torch to the grill gun or uh, the smaller version of it, the Sevee gun, for doing that. So if you take uh, one version of a, a meat-searing torch out there, you, you can sear your steak a steak in somewhere around maybe five to eight minutes. If you've got 10 steaks to do, you do the math, and that's how long it takes to put your, your dinner on. Yeah. Now, if I, if I take all of those, those six steaks and I put it on the grill, and I take the grill gun fire it up, and then I hose them down in intense flame for five seconds, 15 seconds, flip them over and do the same thing. I've done all of those pieces of meat, oh, in maybe 45 seconds. Uh, and they're all seared and uh, ready to go to the table and and be presented. It's just wonderful. Well, you can do that with that much heat with the grill gun if you're outside on a grill. And Correct. Uh, which is where I would recommend you do it because it's always better to take your your uh, massive torch outside, and make that happen. But there are a lot of opportunities for cooking in, you know, in the kitchen. Uh, you'll see smaller torches for um, creme brulee um, and other uh, light searing applications. Or meat applications that you would do in a in an indoor environment where you have non-burning surfaces like stainless steel or stone, so you don't have any concern about catching things on fire. Um, and the grill gun really isn't suited for that because you've got two feet of uh, flame rolling out of the end of the barrel. The barrel itself is the gun itself is 22 inches long, so I mean you're you're wielding four feet of awesome power, you know, in a kitchen, which doesn't, it, it's not a good idea.
0: It doesn't tend you're to lend itself that. to that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it that you're, way. You're, you're going to try and sear your meat and melt your butter dish all at the same time. And to say nothing of the fact that uh, the loud roar that's going inside makes your guests go, what on earth are you doing? It so may or may I not set off with,
0: some fire detectors too.
1: So I made this sous vide gun uh, as a response to the need to have not so much flame and a more manageable pistol that um, that you can wield in the house. Now, it's not so good for going outside and starting your um, your your trash pile or your bonfire or something like that and simply because it's much shorter and you're much closer to the action with a sous vide gun. Correct. And I gave it the name sous vide just because... I thought it was kind of cool, you know, to, uh, model it after what its intended purpose was, which is sous vide. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's a sous vide gun and it, it wasn't something that I was offering uh, initially when you and I talked first before I ran the Kickstarter campaign. And, um, now it, it is a product offering. It actually is moving. If you look at what's uh, most popular on Indiegogo, I've um, you know Kickstarter was about uh, let's see about three fifths Subi guns and two fifths grill guns by volume. of People what they wanted, but it. It turned into more than that on the Indiegogo campaign. That's really three to one. So for every three suvi guns, someone wants a grill gun. And that's all logical because you you have more people with kitchens and need for smaller torches than you have people that also have uh, charcoal grills outside, and that's all they want. Actually, one of the most popular things that I'm offering is the combination of both of them, where you can... You can get a, a grill gun and a sous vide gun, and it's it's highly
0: popular because they have two
1: different purposes.
0: So, and they um, well, you keep one in one place and you keep one in the other. I mean, that's yeah. the that's the big thing, and it, it depends on what you're doing that night. You know, I mean, are you grilling that night? Fantastic, You use the grill gun. Are you? Um, did you sous vide all day long, and you just want to sear those steaks off? Awesome, you know, like
1: right. you I go did, to my house. Yeah, you, in my house you'll see the grill gun hanging on its ring, on underneath the cooker, uh, tethered to the twenty-pound propane bottle, and it's there. When I want to grill, I light the grill, and I hang the thing up, and it, it's all done. I don't have to go looking for it. If you go into the kitchen, you'll find the sous vide gun uh, because when I want to sous vide meat, it's right there, and I don't have to bring the grill. I don't have to take the steak out to the grill to sear it. I could do it right there on top of a a baking stone, right on top of my stone counters. So it's perfect. It's a perfect fit.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think that's really cool because, excuse me, like you said, um, you really don't want to bring the grill gun inside. It doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't sound like it's going to end well for 99% of people.
1: Um, right. And I know what I'm doing and I don't like the idea. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it, um, it's not going to end well. And it, it. sometimes I know, I know some of the guys are going to get out, out there are going to, you know, some of the guys got people. Ladies and whatever, gonna be like. There's never, you know, a big enough flame. It's never too much power. Sometimes too much power is too much power. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need to back it down a little bit. Like with what you've done with a sous vide gun, I think it's really cool. And I, you know, the other day I wish I would have had one. It was, it was. Um, we were doing pork chops, and I threw pork chop through these nice thick pork chops into the sous vide. Um, I threw them in about noon. Uh, while I was at 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 the kitchen at work. And I threw them into a cambro and brought them home. And um, the nice thing is the kitchen's only, uh, I think it's like nine minutes away. So it's not like I'm going to really lose any temperature. Um, And I knew I was just going to sear them, you know, cast iron sear them. So we did that, but it would have been nice to have just, you know, really hit them with that flame.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That is, that is I, a very I, cool I can't
1: tell you how many people are saying the same thing that you are. They can hardly wait to get their hands on them, and I can hardly wait to get them to them because I have the personal experience because it's mine, you know i I've got um, I've gotten to, to design it, test it, prove it out, uh, manufacture it, see it work, watch people's faces when they uh, light them up, and it's uh, it's a real thrill.
0: So now what would you say is gonna be when these when these end up hitting the market, what what do you think is gonna be like the first thing you start to see really big? because social media it's gonna eat it up, you know what I mean? Uh, what would you say is gonna be like the first real like you think you're gonna see a lot of people using the Girl gun? Or do you think you're going to see a lot of people using um, the sous vide? What do you think is well, going to make a bigger uh, splash? I guess I should say. I can I can just
1: take the temperature by seeing what people are how people are reacting to it on the Indiegogo campaign, and um, more people have have opted for the sous vide gun, and that's really an absence of anybody being able to. Uh, to have used them and to talk about them. So it's not hype. It is just watching what I've done in videos and seeing how it works and what people's needs are. The C V gun looks like it's just going to be considerably more popular than the grill gun. Not not because uh, it's a better gun, but because it's actually a smaller and less powerful gun that they can control and use in their kitchen not everybody has the space for a grill gun but those that do i mean i'm talking about an out yard outdoor barbecue there's a yeah. lot of a lot of apartment dwellers and condo dwellers that just don't have
0: yeah
1: absolutely you know the space so since i would think that if you've got a backyard and you've got a charcoal grill you're going to have a grill gun and uh, you'll probably have a suvi gun for inside too but if you just do the math on all that, I, I really do think that the C V gun will ultimately be, or initially, be more popular. And that's the hardest part for me in in uh, building them and anticipating what's going to do, uh, what's going to happen. Is in order to keep the costs down, I have to sort of anticipate what people are going to want and build in advance. And when they, when I finally have them available in the in the uh, online store at grillblazer.com, people are going to, um, you know, it, it's kind of a first come first serve thing. And, um, when they're gone, they're gone until I have another container load show up. And so I expect the Suvi uh, I'm, I'm making more of them than I am grill guns because I really do think that there are going to be more people wanting them thin grill guns and i don't think they'll be able to keep up with the demand i think we're going to be in a you know, through the uh winter and spring of 2020 now it's going you, to be hand hand-to-mouth
0: now here's my question do you think that there will be people that will go with the sous gun because they feel like they can almost use it for both purposes certainly
1: yeah there are, uh, i don't want to I don't want to say that that the small grill is suitable uh, because what you're working for and what you're working with is when you're throwing out a lot of fire, there's just a lot of heat at the end of the gun. And the CV gun brings you closer to the heat because the barrel itself is six inches shorter than the grill gun and the flame is – the grill gun's flame is two feet long and the – Sufi Gun's flame at maximum throw is about 16 inches long so you're just you've compressed the uh, the distance between you and the fire uh, more than a foot and that that just means that you're closer to the grill when you're lighting the charcoal and if you're using it for lighting charcoal um, charcoal briquettes the kind you know the little compressed um, yep. hattie kind of charcoal briquette is it doesn't spark like lump charcoal and i'm kind of a purist when it comes to charcoal i prefer hardwood lump charcoal
0: yep and
1: when you when you get that hot it throws off a lot of sparks and so you're basically flaming um a spark machine and so they'll go flying off of the charcoal and they can land on your hand and your um your clothes and, and burn tiny holes in it if you're not really paying attention to what you're doing and staying away from it. So, I mean,
0: I don't know how yeah. many sweatshirts I have that have holes in them.
1: Yeah. So, so, the grill gun puts you further away from that. And it's, you know, it's just easier to manage that much heat when you're further away. But I know that a lot of people, they they don't want to buy two because they you don't want to spend the money on them both. So, they think that the SUV gun is. Um, you, you know uh, the best uh, of both worlds and it in many respects is because it will do both jobs it doesn't light the charcoal quite as fast as the grill gun because the grill gun just has more power i mean a lot more power and uh it lights the charcoal a whole a big grill much faster than a sous gun would so uh and at a safer distance so but but if you only are going to buy one, not buy both, then the sous vide guns, unless you never sous Now, obviously, if you only grill, then there's no reason to mess with a sous vide gun. Of course, yes. If you don't bring it inside and, and uh, flame your, um, your food for uh, you know, fancy presentation – uh, which the sous vide gun does nicely. You turn the flame down on the sous vide gun, and it's just like any any um, kitchen torch, nice low fire, uh, ten thousand or so BTU flame. But you can turn it up, and it you know rip out two hundred thousand BTU of heat and um, sear your meat real fast and real clean. So I think the sous vide gun is going to be more popular. It's going to be harder to keep in. Um, you know, available online. And people are going to need to recognize that when they go online to order one, when they have them, when they're there, um, they might as well uh, snap them up because when they're not there, they're being backordered. And so it could very well end up being where I, reta- I remain in a backorder position all spring, never do catch up with the demand. I really, yep. I won't know until I actually uh, make it available to people. The enthusiasm that comes at me is is good and bad. You know, it's good that that many people want them, bad that um, they're not here. <laughs> they're, not, they're not here and they may not get it, you know, because if someone says, no, I'm just going to wait until they're available and order one, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm concerned that They'll always be waiting because it, they're just going to keep waiting, yeah, I get just you. keep waiting
0: now here's my question you it can it can attach to a small little propane tank, right it doesn't have to be a larger propane tank. I know sometimes when you're you're pulling that much you know pulling that much uh propane out they tend pro larger propane tanks tend to handle that a little bit bigger and they don't freeze. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So what propane does is, as you know, is, um, it boils at minus 42 degrees Fahrenheit. That's really cold. And so that means, uh, any temperature above minus 42, it's going to be boiling. So since room temperature is, you know, a lot higher than minus 42 on the order of 120 degrees higher or 140 degrees higher in some cases, um, it's, that's why it has so much pressure when it exits the can and comes through the barrel, because it's just a, it's boiling madly inside, which is um, the process causes the hand to f- freeze over. So if you were to just turn on either the grill gun or the vide gun and just pull the trigger and let it um, just flame, it's going to, in about two minutes time, that little one pound bottle is gonna be uh, icy. And as it as it chills, it makes the propane chill, so it doesn't it it, it doesn't boil the same way. So you lose pressure. So yep. when you pull the trigger and you let it go, it's it's got a ton of pressure, and within two minutes, it's 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 uh, the pressure's way off, and so it's not nearly as fabulous as it was when it was warm. And you. What you do is you keep a couple of small bottles around, you take that one off, and you screw another one on that's at room temperature, let the one you're just using warm back up again, so it's just like it was before, and you keep on going. And if you have several of the bottles, you can run a lot of um, a lot of time with the grill gun or the SV gun. You can run more time on the SV gun because it's got a smaller outlet orifice, so it just uses less fuel in the same amount of time. So it lasts longer than the grill gun. And, but it doesn't do as much heating in the same amount of time. Whereas if you hook it up to a 20-pound bottle, the same thing happens, but you just got 20 pounds to sink all of that heat. So you'll yeah. freeze that 20-pound bottle over in 30 minutes. You if know, you kept it going for 30 minutes. minutes, yeah. Right. But you just never have that need. I mean, so uh, a 20 pound bottle acts like infinite uh, supply, it never yeah. loses power because you're only using it for a couple of minutes at a time. And in fact, if you, that's, what's really neat about the way I designed the grill gun and the V gun is, is if you use it, like it's designed to be used, where it takes you, you know, 15, 20 seconds to sear your steak, you're not, or if you got several steaks side by side, you're just not at it long enough to get the bottle cold enough for you to uh, notice any power diminished. And uh, if you use your grill gun out at the grill and you hook it up through the uh, adapter hose to your 20 pound bottle that's sitting next to the charcoal grill, same thing. I mean, you can flame your your grill for a minute, two minutes. You'll never notice any uh, loss of power. And you're, you know, you heat the whole grill up and you're cooking your food. You're, you're putting dinner on in two or three minutes as opposed to waiting for 30 minutes to get the grill hot and then start cooking your food. And, you know, I hear that's if that's the number one complaint or uh, um, I think not so much complaint, but um, knock against the the grill gun is is hey, buddy, why why don't you think about the fact that you're supposed to enjoy yourself and drink a beer and have a good time while you light your charcoal? Well, I can drink a beer and have a good time and be cooking my food. I don't have to be waiting on my charcoal to get it done. I mean, it's really what, when I can grill on the the charcoal grill year round, just by going out and lighting it, I mean, snow's blowing in the yard and I can light my charcoal grill and cook my food and have charcoal cooked food in the wintertime what's wrong with that? there's nothing wrong with that and it's fun to do. so the freezing over that we're talking about the one pound bottle that's a huge uh, convenience you'll never never really encounter that unless you use it for a lot and if you you know a lot at one time so if you're running the, the grill gun for two or three minutes, Nah, keep another bottle there and put it on. If you're, if you've got the 20 pound tank, just, you won't ever see any, any loss in power. And then nice thing about all the finishes on the grill gun and the CV gun is, is they can take the heat. Your, your tool is not going to, um, look like garbage as any other weed torch that you might buy out there or high, high temperature torch. They're readily available. Um, on the market as they are today, but they all tether to the twenty pound bottle that 's the only way they are they're really uh, not that they, they don't have anywhere near the designs uh, the design elements that the grill gun do for durability and reliability so but they're a lot cheaper and if uh, if you want to go that way, I encourage you to change the way you cook your charcoal grill i wouldn't use any of them for soothing meat because they don 't burn the propane as well as, as efficiently. And what you end up with is you end up with propane or uh, what they call propane taste. You don't get that with the grill gun or the CV gun because both of those consume all of the propane. It's a, um, it's a hundred percent burn of the fuel. And therefore the only thing that exhausts out of the end of the barrel of the grill gun or the CV gun is, um, water.
0: Bob, we're losing you just out. a, Bob, we lost you, we, we, Can you repeat that? We so missed you just a little bit. There's put on that. your meat. I mean, it's just, you're just flaming. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's perfect, right? That's exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were designing have, have that, that, when you were designing that, how, how, how much of a, Not inconvenience, but how much of a kind of a pain in the ass was it to make sure that you did not um, get any of those other byproducts coming out? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yep. Am I back? Yep, you're back. Are you there? Yes, sir, we are here. Do I got you?
1: I don't know. Can you hear me was is how. Go for it. So your question really was um, how hard was it to, to design out the byproducts that you have? It's it's wasn't hard to design them out because I knew that to not have any of the the byproducts associated with burning propane was to burn it entirely. So I designed the torch to. Um. Mix the air and fuel to such a degree that it was almost uh unlightable uh, um, the cv gun the way it's designed is is so lean that uh, it'll blow itself it would blow itself out because it couldn't sustain fire there's just so much air in the mixture and that's what it takes to uh to burn it clean is is to completely consume all of the fuel by mixing it an, with enough air, with oxygen in the air, to burn all of the fuel before it uh, gets away from the end of the torch. Does that make sense, or is that a confusing concept?
0: No, it definitely makes sense.
1: Okay, so when you look at a torch and the flame, um, you you look at your your typical burnzomatic or uh, any torch butane small uh, pro small propane torch that you buy it's a nice blue crisp flame and those those flames are uh, very good um, consumption of the fuel they're designed to completely consume the fire the same way that it, it is in the grill gun what's the difference is is when you have a high power torch it's harder to get that much air fuel mixture in and so um it basically blows fuel out that is unburned. It's it's the same thing that happens in the engine of your car. Um, you know, you don't burn all of the fuel every, in every stroke of the engine. In fact, 30% of it goes out the tailpipe unburned. Um, probably more than you needed to know. But,
0: um,
1: <laughs> the same thing happens in a torch. Unless you get enough air into the burn and keep the fuel In the flame, long enough for it to completely consume, you end up with um, uh, byproducts of burn that come off the end of the flame that didn't consume, and you're basically um, spraying out there on your meat if you're using it for searing, which, you know, we're splitting hairs, you know, carbon monoxide. When you you think about you're putting meat on top of charcoal and the smoke and the, and the the burning of wood, all the flame residue, that's also the same thing. It, so it's it's burning wood. I mean, uh, cooking meat on charcoal is not a clean process. And searing meat with a torch, in most cases, is not a clean process. So why get all of, um, focused on a clean burning Torch, And that is simply just to have the best possible taste that you can have of pure meat and not any of the smoke or carbon monoxide residue or any of the propane residue that you would have by using another torch. So it wasn't hard to design it out when I knew what it took to make that go away. But I've got some really cool design elements of the grill and to make that happen. That you won't be able to find in other torches because they're patented processes.
0: I mean that that's fantastic. Now, yeah, with with the grill gun, I kind of want to ask this que- question: If you were to say, you know, obviously you got the grill you gun, there? you got this. Yep, you got the grill gun, you got the sous gun, right? Oh boy! Um, give us one second, guys. If you can hear me, this is perfect. Um, I wish I were here. So um basically my question is uh with the grill gun with the sous vide gun you're kind of covering all bases, right? You're covering your sous vide cookers, you're covering your grillers. You're um you're covering pretty much any any charcoal, stick burner, um kamado style, hmm. every every any any person that needs to light a flame to cook. Uh so are there going to be any other attachments for maybe the sous vide gun to where it won't be a full open flame. Like, you know, you see some of those on the market that can take those torches and make it into like, kind of like a searing pad. Will you ever be doing something like that? Or do you feel like you don't need that whatsoever?
1: Well, for the purpose of searing your meat, you don't need that. The uh, reason that people do that is, is because they do want a sort of a broiler Type of sear. Okay. They don't want the flame directly on the meat. And um, there, there are some other attachments that go onto the sous gun that I have not introduced yet that are going to really impress a lot of people when they see it in the future. Uh, I really don't want to actually talk about them this point, okay? Because I don't That's want okay. other competition uh, to uh, know what it is I'm talking about, but. Uh, I think it'll it'll impress when I when I bring them out. It'll impress the people that wow, I never thought about that. That is so cool.
0: Man, that sounds fantastic, Bob. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, talking barbecue, talking talking grill gun, and talking the sous vide gun, which I think is really cool that you did bring that into play also because I think that um, I, think, I just think it's really cool that you're you're giving. The people who you know like playing with sous v's and and enjoy cooking at style a way to manage a flame that's not two feet long uh, <laughs> <you> yeah <know?
1: laughs> that's exactly right
0: so uh thank you for coming on the show again and chatting with us if you can do me a favor tell everyone where they can pick up their own grill gun and where they can kind of keep keep tabs on you on the internet.
1: Sure, I, I'd love to, and I appreciate uh, I very much appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you and your audience, so that I can get the word out, so people will know about it, and we can build enthusiasm, and I can make more and sell more. Yeah. The only way to find them right now is through my website directly, which is at Grillblazer. That's you know all one word: the word grill and the word. A R I L B L A Z E R dot com, Girlblazer com, and um, it depends uh, where we are when this podcast release. What you'll actually encounter right now, um, it still is the Indiegogo page. Uh, that's a crowdfunding platform. It will, in very short order, switch over to just the um, you know, just the um dot coms web store. And the offerings that you'll be able to pick from um, will be right there online. So that's the only way to get them. And I um, would very much appreciate uh, everybody uh, taking a look at what the website has to offer. It explains um, everything that you would want to know about the products. And if if it doesn't have an answer to a question you have, all you have to do is email me at at Bob at com, and I'll, I'll post it, put it up, and let other people uh, know the answer to your question. So it's a win-win for you guys. You, uh, you get the best torch you can buy, and I get to make them for you and sell them to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, the website, uh, guys, if you haven't gone to the website, go to the website, check it out. It has a lot of information. Um, so I can't imagine you having a question that, like, the website doesn't actually uh cover uh Bob did a really really good job at designing the website and and a really really good job at making it super user friendly and really having a lot of information on there um which is fantastic it it should answer all of your questions i really i really believe it does um i think it's a fantastic website and I, I think it's a fantastic product so i want to say th- like like i said again want to say thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast hanging out with us and uh you know thank you so much and thank you for thank you for affecting the barbecue industry and barbecue world and in barbecue enthusiasts in a great way
1: uh my pleasure All right. Thank you. And I guess we'll talk to you another time.